This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Coming to you from Eggplant Studios in downtown Toronto, this is Jim Rats and Joints with Javon Shepard. Andy Routen and Dan Gladman. Jim Rats and Joints is brought to you by Henderson's Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. For producer Dan Wong and myself, Jeff Cole, let's rack it up, Danny G. Welcome to the show. It's Thursday, February 25th, 2021 in Toronto, Canada, Earth. And I haven't talked ball with my friends Shep and Andy in two weeks. And boys, you are missed. Wonger, you too. Great to be on Zoom with you as we see February coming to a close and the light at the end of the tunnel where winter is concerned and hopefully COVID life as well. The CEBL, the Canadian Elite Basketball League, unveiled its 2021 schedule today. And I'm thrilled about that, but I'm sad to report that I won't be able to join Shep and Andy in the presidential suite for Ottawa's first local pro basketball game on June 5th because I'll be in Abbotsford, British Columbia, for the Edmonton-Fraser Valley game. That said, it'll be amazing to see live basketball in Ottawa and all throughout Canada. Since we last spoke, the NBA has continued to be full of incredible storylines, ups and downs, thrills and spills, and even chills. One of the great dramas of every NBA season is the All-Star Game. The selections, the snubs, it's no different this year. The game will be March 7th in Atlanta, so it's coming up. We're close. Guys, let's start Let's start with the snubs. Shep, who do you think is the biggest snub from the All-Star Game so far? Devin Booker. Devin Booker, I mean, you're pretty much looking but at... But he did get added, right? Huh? He's now added to take Anthony Davis's place. See, did I miss that? I missed that. Yeah. You know, having him off of there initially would have been, you know, disrespectful just because the the season that he's had, right? The season that he's had, his number his numbers are slightly off, were slightly off from last year. Um, but you add a CP in the mix. And the fact that, you know, this team is night and day better than they were, you know, a season ago, flirting with top four, you asked this man to win and he went out and win. So now that you, you brought it to light, I'm, I'm actually ecstatic for him, the fact that he's he's in the mix now, he's in the fold. Uh, gentlemen, I got I got a couple gripes here. I got I got I, I, I'm not a huge Chris Paul guy. I, I, I don't know why. I, I love what he does for teams. I think he's a savvy vet. You know, I think he can turn teams around, but you know, to average seventeen and eight, you know, and then Fred Van Fleet's out here averaging twenty seven and five. You know, I, I think that especially given the fact of where the Raptors were with their two and eight start, they stumbled out of the gate. You know, they turned it around, and and uh, now they're almost at the five hundred mark. Fred's been the glue guy. You know, he's the reason why they've remained head above water, and now they're almost sitting at fifth in the East. So, I think Fred should have got that nod. Um, and, and my other gripe is is Ben Simmons. I understand that you know the Seventy Sixers are having a great year. They're, they're first in the East. Um, you know, he's only averaging 16, eight and eight, 
And then you have a guy like DeMonte Sabonis, DeMonte Sabonis, sorry, averaging 21, 11, and, and, six, uh, and six assists. I mean, this guy is a monster right now. And, and his intangibles are what makes him an all-star for me because he has second most touches in the league behind Jokic. Uh, he has, he's one of the best passing bigs in the game, you know, around 80 passes per game, which is unheard of. Um, so they sit in the fourth spot in the East right now at 15 and 15. And I think he's just been that much better for his team than Ben Simmons has been for the Sixers. Uh, you, you guys are, are, are hitting all the, all the notes here. Um, Chris Paul just, you know, he gets in every year because he is Chris Paul. But if you, if you go down line by line and you compare him to say Mike Conley, you know, Utah is the team that's in first place, best record in the league and, and pretty much, unbeatable i mean really it's conley who should get the nod but you know sometimes i feel like people forget it i got a train going by here by the way (laughs) it is um it is an all-star game and and i i always i i feel like i've had this conversation for 30 years and this really you know if this was all nba i think that gets looked at with a a more fine-tooth comb and this is just like, you know, here's who the stars are. Booker, he definitely deserves to be there based on his play, but he's kind of just becoming a star. And I feel like it, it's kind of the same thing with Fred Van Vliet. It's really his first year of being handed the keys to, to the team. That said, they, all these guys we've named deserve to be in the All-Star game. There's no well, doubt about it. I think I, with that, too, and you hit the nail on the head with – it's an all-star game. People want to see flash. They want to see fun. They, you know, your Conleys, your Bookers may not be, you know, on the highlight reels every night. And I think that has a part to do with it, right? Like I, I know we'd love, we'd love to say as competitors and we love to believe, Hey, winning solves all that, but it's not the case. I think they've taken into account. They've taken into account where teams are sitting uh, and then how beneficial they've been for their team, as opposed to, points per game, in my opinion, because, you know, the Utah Jazz uh, sitting in first in the West, I don't think Mike Conley's having his best year statistically. That, that might be why he got the snub yet again. And and honestly, he, he let's, snub, I, think we, he I think we can all agree he's one of the most underrated players in NBA history. He's he's he's, all, he's always I, I in that conversation. Always. He's, he's just boring. I think it's just he's just boring, so but stable. efficient. He's gets you so wins. stable. He yes. gets wins. But... Was he boring when he played against him, Shep? He was boring then, but he, he, he got the job done. <laughs> he's saying that because he's an Ohio State guy. That's why. <laughs> he got the job done. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, well, hey, Michigan got the big win against Ohio State uh, That's right. over the weekend. You know, we'll probably talk about this more next week, but Michigan looking good for a number one seed under Coach Juwan Howard. Yeah, we get a uh, job done. We get it in year after year. <laughs> um, we, we, see, we see the Michigan jersey behind me. But, no, they're – you know what? They've done a really good job of recruiting, and I think um, Juwan has done an exceptional job of picking up where, where Coach Beeline left off. And I think, you know, I, when, when that transition first happened, I thought it was going to be some huge shoes to fill, especially with Juwan coming from the NBA and not really having any head coaching experience. But um, like he's adapted, and he's, he's a player's coach. From what I understand, he really you know, he understands his guys, his guys understand him, and he's just a, done an amazing job recruiting. They even have a, a Canadian kid, Caleb Houston, who's also who's also just named a McDonald's All-American coming in next year. So um, they just keep pumping them in, pumping them in. So I think they're at a place now where it's, there's, there's no more drop-offs. It's just 
we're just going to keep refilling. Canadian kids all over the Big Ten, I feel like we're going to be talking about Marcus Carr a lot um, in the future. And it's interesting you say Jawan Howard going from the NBA to college. You know, of course, your old coach, Shep, John Beeline, went from college to the NBA. Arguably, that wasn't his uh, that his best move. Yeah, yeah, I, I would have I would have preferred to see him stay in college because he was an amazing college coach. He had a pretty rough go there in Cleveland. He had a, it was a, it was a pretty rough a, exit. Yeah, funny enough, he loves AR. He always says that you were one of the recruits he he. Signed. Who be like? Yeah, get the fuck out of here. Yeah, okay, because he recruit. He I remember getting one letter from West Virginia and being so high on it because that was like my my high D one offer. Well, not even an offer. It was just a le- letter of interest. And I held, I held my, I held my hat on that one letter for so long, and it never came to fruition. So that's good to hear. AR, yeah, Ar wanted to go play for my coach, which yeah. definitely wasn't my style, which was way <laughs> yeah. more his style. And Syracuse was actually yeah. my dream school. Absolutely, what I wanted to play for. Yeah, that's tough, man. That's this shit. But funny you know, how it works he's always, out. He's always been high on you, and he, but he'll tell you, man. Like this, the NBA circuit was was tough for him because there's the development aspect. And then there's, you know, you have guys at the end of the bench where, yeah. you know, they're playing for contracts. Mm-hmm. So there's a bump in the heads. Like his management is telling him, like, develop. We're not concerned about losses. Then you have guys like, you know, Tristan at the end of the bench and so forth mm-hmm. that in their last year of contract. They don't play. They don't get, you know, they don't get the contracts oh, yeah. that they, they, they're looking for. They desire. Well, not, not to mention the egos. You know, you have to, at this point, guys are making money. They have families to feed. You know, it's a whole different ballgame in terms of management. And I think he really he really struggled with that. So there's so there's that wrestling match there. There's that tussle there. But then, you know, you have players on your own team that look at you as the rookie NBA coach. So now mm-hmm. when, you're, when you're piling up losses, you know, they're pointing fingers and you don't know what you're doing. Right. But that, that's the conversation. That you don't know what you're doing. You're losing with the respect of your players. But... You know, when you're in the room, the boardrooms at the front office, mm-hmm. they're they're pretty much dictating. No, we're we're just we're trying to develop right now. So it's a tough mm-hmm. place to be. And I think if it was another coach that was, you know, had some NBA experience, the trust would have been there from the players. One, as well as you'd have had a bit more say with front office. But it's a it's a tough place to be in, man. He came in as an older coach too, which coach. you know the whole relatability thing. As you're seeing now with Billy Donovan in Chicago, it, it makes mm-hmm. a huge difference. Mm-hmm. I could uh, I could talk college basketball all day with you guys. You you lived my dream. You went to Michigan. You went to Syracuse. You played ball. We're really just a couple of weeks away from March Madness. So I can't help but feel like we're going to have uh, so much to talk about in in the weeks ahead. You know, with, with the All Star Game approaching and spring weather trickling in here and there, um, and the second half of the NBA schedule finally announced, we'll soon legitimately be talking about the playoffs. I want to ask you guys about the May 22nd start for the playoffs. We know the season will end May the 16th, and then there's going to be uh, the play-in tournament. So so teams one through six in each conference are going to get almost a week to set up for the playoffs, and teams th- seven through ten are going to have another chance to get in through, through the play-in tournament. Andy, l- let me start with you here. Are you happy with, uh, with a May 22nd start? for for the playoffs this year uh before i go into that dg let me let me i just want to clarify so seven hosts eight on each side right and then the winners i I believe that's how how it is that's how it goes and then the losers of the first games will host nine and ten for the second spot so it's an interesting thing i i i do enjoy 
the competitiveness of it, I think it's a nice add-on feature to make the games more interesting. Um, I'm okay with the May 22nd playoff start date. You know, even if they don't aren't able to complete all 72 games given the COVID restrictions, because you know a lot of games have been canceled, suspended. You know, just that's how the season's gone thus far. You know, there's limited flexibility within their schedules to add games. Um, you know, I obviously want to get everything done before the start of the Olympic Games as well in July. So. Uh, it also gives the players a chance to recoup, you know, and finish the season a little bit earlier from an entirely too short of a turnaround from last season. So I'm, I'm okay with it, and I think it's going to make for a really competitive playoff push and, and exciting playoffs. See, so I, I like the start date, but I don't really care for this this play-in tournament because at the end of the day, each, I don't know. Because if you're going to make up the games that you've lost or been postponed, everything's getting the same amount of, of games this year. It's just the reality of it. I just think play the games that you're gonna play, one through eight. Let's get to playoffs and, and let's go. I'm but not a, we like the, the idea. It, was, it worked. Okay, I'll say this. It worked last year. I understood the reason for it last year because you didn't play the same amount of games, right? So everybody's dealing with the same situation. Everybody's dealing dealing with the same variables. Mm. Uh, I, I don't see a purpose for it. But as far as the as far as the playing date, perfect, perfect timing. Interesting, because I I think this is going to be part of the league going forward. I I think they needed to come up with something that's a little bit outside of the box. You know, this uh, puts a little bit of uh, a hurt on the teams. You know, tanking was a problem uh, a few years ago. And this is kind of designed to prevent you from doing that, too. Because even if you finish 10th in the conference now, you still have a shot of getting to the playoffs. So... I don't know. I, I think it. I, I kind of like the fact that it gives those well, lower ranked teams. What does it change in terms of tanking or? Well, I mean, it just means that instead of shooting for top eight, really you sh- you can shoot for top ten, and that the team that finishes in tenth place, you know, could be ten games under five hundred. Mm-hmm. You'd be tenth. No business in there. Like you need to be rewarded for what you did in the regular season. If you finish ten games below five hundred, and it's nowhere near that that eighth place, there's no space for you. Go. You got to. Go recoup, go regroup. I would I would agree with that. They, they you know they put in the body of work to get to where they're at, and then mm. you know some tenth place team may may come in and swoop that. But at the same time, I think it's it's adding that level of excitability. It's it's that NCAA tournament factor. It's that yeah, you know, win or go yeah. home feel. You know, it's 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 something new to evolve with the times of everything that we're going through. And I think the NBA has done a good job of 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 trying to keep everybody you know safe and interested at the same time. And this is kind of their way to do it. So. Even I believe it was last year, and I believe it was Clay. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was there was talks in, of Clay coming back for the end of the season, close uh-huh. to the end of the season, right? Now you throw Clay in the equation on that on that um, on that team. There, it's that eighth spot could end up being your championship. That sorry, that's that tenth spot, playing mm-hmm. spot could end up being your championship team. Mm. Now, is that what are the chances they're going to hit that chemistry at that point, though? You know, it's tough. Isn't this like? Isn't this kind of like the NCAA tournament? There were years where a team that was the play-in didn't Syracuse make a Final Four one year when they had to play as a ten seed um, in a play-in game? Didn't that happen? That I don't. Is it bad that I don't know that? And I don't know. I could be making it I'm, up. I'm, but I'm, I, yeah. I'm pretty certain the last time Cuse had a Final Four berth, and I think it's happened before. I think it happened with the VCU year as well. You know. You, you don't have a great yeah. regular Michigan season. Michigan doesn't have play-ins. 
<laughs> it all comes back to that, eh? I, look, Michigan doesn't have to worry about it this year. They're gonna they're gonna be a number one seed and a favorite to get to the four. I just think there's something about that last ditch chance to get to get there. I'm I'm surprised you guys don't uh, share the love of that. But I guess when you go to Syracuse and Michigan, you're you're in the top twenty every year anyway. <laughs> Yeah, we locked down yeah. those spots early, DJ. You know, we get to that number one seed quick and take care of business. And then no, we wind up fucking it up and losing to Butler. That's what we do. Yeah, I just think you, you have to be rewarded for the teams that, you know, fought through during the regular season and have, have finished in that top eight seeding. And from there, now is your second, is that second season. That's a brand new season for these top eights, for those yeah. top eight teams. Hard, 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 hard to argue with that. Chef. Well, you can also you know, can also take into consideration, like like you said, Chef, the, the you know the Clays, you know people who have significant injuries. Uh, you know, for example, the Boston Celtics have been without Kemba Walker. He's only played sixteen games. So let's say he comes back, you know, they're an entirely different team to make a run at that, and they could be a significantly better team at that point than the seventh spot. So you know, it, well, it makes I, for an interesting dynamic. It does. I would just err on the side of you are where you are when you get there. You, when you get there, because every yeah. team walks into the season with the risk of injuries, right? Fair so enough. It's inevitable, yeah. right? So now it's hard to argue these points Chef is making. Yeah. <laughs> these are these are solid points. There's a reason they've been like this. But you know who knew? Javon Shepard is a uh, a traditionalist, an NBA purist. <laughs> uh, you know, this, the GM, baby. This is Jim Rats and Joints. We are Canada's weekly basketball podcast. Make sure to check us out on social media and review our show on Apple Podcasts. I'm Dan Gladman, along with Andy Routens and Javon Shepard. The Brooklyn Nets have won seven in a row as we speak today, and they have climbed to within striking distance of first place in the East, where you have to assume they will reside for the duration of the season. James Harden has been incredible. He's even stepped into the MVP race. Uh, I love the stat that he is already second all time in Nets franchise history in career triple doubles. He has wow. six, but he's got a long way to go to catch Jason Kidd for uh, for number one. Guys, Shep, let's start it with you. What have we learned about the Nets during this current stretch of wins? Nothing. We learned that they have the three. <laughs> <laughs> like they have three of the top five players in the NBA right now. I would say, okay, let's just stretch it to top seven, right? Three of the top seven players, probably the top player by position at each position. So I I think we knew this, and we knew this was coming. It was just a matter of chemistry and everybody playing their respective roles. And I think James Harden is, he was actually going to be the key to this team because, one, you know what you're going to get from KD, and he's he's the one guy that can be effective off of the ball. And mm-hmm. just as much, just as effective as he can be and impactful as he can be on the ball. But James Harden, he's done a great job of just showing that he's probably the best facilitator on this team. And just understanding a balance between scoring and distributing. And, and he's just engaged, man. There's not much. And I, I always date back to a friend of mine told me when Kyrie was going through his his situation and came back to the team, you know, you know asked for forgiveness and apologized to the team. James Harden, on the day he arrived there, was the first person to stand up and say, no, let's get it, like, you know, and, and welcome him. Now, from that, it's something so simple, and you think, like, this guy may be passing his place. He just got here a couple hours ago. But in actuality, that's just a sign, a sign of leadership, right? right, and the right the right vocal leader. So I think it was just a matter of time, and I'm not surprised by where they're at right now. 
And that, that's some of the maturity I don't think we were seeing in Houston. I think he was more concerned with his with his individual accolades. Um, but yeah, I mean, on Shep's way, the, the Nets are who we thought they were. Like, let's be honest, they're they're twenty one and twelve now overall. A lot of those losses came from sub five hundred teams. Uh, they're eleven and two against teams over five hundred, which means they can turn it on at any given time. You know, not to mention they've hardly all been on the floor at the same time. KD is yet to return to the lineup. Um, they just recently waived Andre Robertson. Iman Shumpert and Noah Vonleh to add some flexibility for the for the, the trade deadline on the 25th. Um, I think they're putting themselves in a stellar position to uh, to take over the the uh, the East and and to to win this thing because you know they throttled the Lakers and the Clippers during the West Coast tour. They won the last what seven in a row. So I think that they're they're well on their way. And I and I and I agree with Chef. I think James Harden is coming into his own. He's averaging 11 almost 11 assists a game. It's his career high for that. He's he's a better point guard, in my opinion, than Kyrie ever has been. Um, and they're finding that dynamic. And, and I think that, you know, they don't have any ego competition right there right now, which is a scary thing, because I think that's the only thing that could really hold them back from, from being successful. Crazy enough, AR, as much as yeah. we talk about his offense, he's also leading mm-hmm. the team in rebounds. James Harden. Is he really? Yeah. Wow. Just shy, just under nine. Like that's wow. well, he, he leads the league in assists. Does he really? At 11.2? I believe he does. Yeah. We got to look that yeah. up. Jamie, can you look that up? Joe Rogan. Uh. <laughs> I mean, here's here's the one thing I want to say with the Nets, and I, I have spoken a lot about them with my friend Billy Rappinell, who lives in Philadelphia and is a huge 76ers supporter. And he continues to point out to me that if you look at every metric of the Nets' defense mm-hmm. – they have nothing in common with championship teams or, or even conference champion teams. And, and I, I feel like two weeks ago, before they rattled off these seven in a row, I feel like there still were concerns about the Nets. I mean, we all know they have the, their stack of talent, but are, are we? is this what we're seeing right now? Are we going to see this for the, the duration of the season and, and into the playoffs? I think yes, but... There's still, is there still some doubt to it, Andy? I, I think it's hard to tell at this point. I mean, they have it rolling. I think that they've figured out a little bit of chemistry. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens when KD returns, uh, just in terms of sheer touches alone. Um, and, and also the off-the-court distractions. You know, who knows if, if, if Kyrie will have another episode. Um, I doubt it. You know, I, I like what's happening there. I like that he's owning up to everything, and, and they're kind of trying to make it work, and they're being and forgiving of that, knowing what they have and, in Kyrie, but you know, it's a result of, of the Nash D'Antoni system. You know, they're not going to be a defensive team ever as much as they want to be, but they're just going to win with great offense. And I think that it's going to be interesting to see what happens in the playoffs because everybody knows the NBA is, is all about defense in the playoffs. That's what wins championships. At the end of the day, AR, the team yep. scores the most at the end of the game. Sure, fair enough. Of- <laughs> fair enough. But you know that they turn it up, they turn it up significantly when the playoff comes around. Right. So you know, it'll be it'll be a much more physical game. I think that they struggle with physicality on the defensive end. You know, they got a lot of guys who want to stay protected, stay healthy, so they can get buckets. So they're not willing to sacrifice as much. And that was one of Steve's big points: was was guys need to get on the floor, guys need to be dogs. And I don't think they have a Jimmy Butler out there. Interesting. I I love Andy that you you raised Steve Nash. Um, maybe I'm just missing it, but I I feel like we haven't heard from him as much mm-hmm. this year. What do you think he's? Do you think he's doing a good job in his rookie season as coach? Is, does he just 
roll the balls out there for the for the guys to play, or is he really having a say in actual X's and O's and strategy? I, I think he's doing a phenomenal job. It's his it's his first season as a head coach, and you you walk into KD, James Harden, and Kyrie, like you know, three of the biggest egos to manage in, in NBA history, maybe. So I think he's doing all that he can. I think that he's he's kind of letting the guys figure it out, and he's just there as a resource to them. You know, it's kind of like what, what Kyrie said in the beginning. He doesn't really see him as a coach, but Steve has always been a guy that, that is, that is you know, you can go to, you can talk to. The communication lines are open. He's, he's the kind of guy who's going to figure it out, and he's a player's coach, which is why I think that they all wanted to play for him at the end of the day. So... Um, I think he's doing a phenomenal job, and, and, and I think that he only stands to improve uh, you know, the, the longer he's in, the, uh, in that head coaching position. I agree with AR because it's not much. You, you're not going to get KD, James Harden, Kyrie, mm-hmm. and, and coach them. What are you going to coach yeah, them? Like, yeah. Like, what are you going to do there? I think what he's done an exceptional job with is, is managing, like you said, AR, egos, mm-hmm. character, mm-hmm. personalities, and that, and that is probably even harder than putting in – you know, the, the tactics, the X's and O's, mm-hmm. um, because these guys are all, you know, powerhouses within their own right. So I think just that, like, who do you give the last, the last shot to? Who's bringing right. up the ball? Who do, you, who do you give responsibility to more or less? And I think yeah. managing that. And again, I, you know, we say he's, it's his first time in that chair, but, you know, he's, a, he's been a point guard, right? And he's had to manage mm-hmm. Joe Johnson's year. There's Amari Stoudemire's and guys of mm-hmm. that caliber on a team, right? So, uh, in terms of in terms of leading a group, he has that experience. I think he's doing an amazing job with, with this group right here. I on think. I think also, Chef. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish your point. Yeah. On top of it, like you said, Ar, we, we haven't seen these guys all on the floor together. So you, right. you factor in injuries, whatever other issues, um, you know, COVID protocols. COVID. Yeah. We still haven't seen this team at their best, and they're they're still you know, on their upward trend. Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of trends, I think that's where the league is trending is, is players, coaches. You know, I think there's very few, I want to say, uh, dictator style coaches in the league anymore that, that they're the stars. I mean, you kind of see it in, in Thibodeau in New York, but I think that's what they needed. I think they needed structure. They needed something to build from the ground up. And Tibbs is that guy for that organization. But you know, you saw Jim Boylan come into Chicago, try to be, a, you know, a dictator and, and, and nobody vibed with that guy. You know, players, yeah, players have more power than ever. And I think that's attributed to LeBron. Um, you know, LeBron is the GM. He's the coach. He's the assistant GM. Do not get it confused. Uh, you know, when there's a play and he's the MVP. Yeah. So so the power's in the player's hands right now. And I think Steve is doing a great job of understanding that dynamic and, and where he can insert himself. Very nice, guys. Let's move on to uh, our hometown team, the Toronto Raptors, who who really impressed me uh, last week when they reeled off four straight wins, including a two-game sweep of the Milwaukee Bucks and a win over the 76ers. Uh, but since then, they dropped uh, games to the Sixers and the Miami Heat, and they continue to flirt uh, up and around and below that 500 mark. Uh, they do have a break in the schedule uh, with games against Houston, Chicago, who are no longer a slouch, uh, and Detroit. Three winnable games, though, for Toronto, who I now consider a sure bet for the playoffs, especially with some disappointing play from some other teams in the East. I'm looking at you, Boston Celtics. Uh, guys, what, what did you see in the most recent game against the Heat that you like for the Raptors? 
and what continues to be a work in progress for them. Yeah, I thought, I thought it was a tough game. They were on they were on a back to back. You know, I think the Raps have been really overextending themselves to try to get back to five hundred. You know, so naturally guys are going to be more fatigued. You know, when you're when you're behind the eight ball and you're trying to scrap to get back to the top, you're exerting much more effort. So um, you just have to be proud of the boys the way they fought and and, and brought it back to a to a five hundred spot. You know, they're sitting at eight in the East, Miami right now. They they've done the same thing. They've clawed their way back. You know, it, it's a tough team to spot, stop when, when Bam's going for double-doubles and, and Jimmy Butler's flirting with triple-doubles. You know, I, I think that you know Nick Nurse has done a fantastic job of managing that. You know, obviously there's there's things that they're limited to in terms of restrictions with COVID and, and traveling. So uh, having having Kyle Lowry back as well, you know, going for 24, 8, and 7. And I think the biggest determining factor of that game was, was the bench. You know, they were outscored 40 to 24, and that's usually – the Raptors uh, shining spot, you know, that's usually where the Raptors, uh, you know, get majority of their wins from. So um, it'll be, it'll be, they'll be fine. I think I'm, I'm completely in agreement with you, DG, that they're going to get a playoff spot. And, you know, I think they can make a run at it, you know, depending also what happens with the trade deadline. I think they can add some additional pieces and, you know, and uh, really take over from there. You're right. I think, you know, we have some high expectations for them now. I think the mm-hmm. city does as well. But I still think it's going to be an up and down season, like you said. They're going to, you know, string off a couple of wins, a couple of big wins, but they're also going to have a couple of losses that they that they probably shouldn't have because hmm. the reality is this team is not the most talented team in the NBA. They have to win uh, by committee and they have to win by playing hard. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that every day. Uh, just just the fact that they, like you said, Air, they have to exert so much. Mm-hmm. Well, one, come to even get to 500, they have to, mm-hmm. they've had to exert so much. But just the way they have to play, being that they don't have necessarily a superstar, they don't have a go-to guy that can get you a short bucket when you need yeah. to close out. So it's all going to be, you know, grit and gut. Uh, and then the fact, the other, the other aspect is that they shoot threes. Like, this is how the, the bulk of their offense, you're going to have off nights. So when mm-hmm. when those two things aren't in sync, you know, it's going to be rough for them. Are are they going to be able to control the effort of 10 guys every night? Probably not, right? Mm-hmm. And it's something that's mm-hmm. contagious. And if you just don't have it, you just don't have it. There's the heart mm-hmm. aspect and there's the physical side of, hey, we just can't give it tonight. And, you know, you yeah. factor in the travel, you factor in all the other variables, it's tough. Um, but they, they'll be they, they'll be in a mix and they'll, they're always going to compete. And like you said, you know, we're still to be seen what's going to happen at trade deadline. I think there's going to be some moves there, some some really big moves that'll shake up, surprise us a bit, and then we'll see what happens from there. Well, you guys have both mentioned the trade deadline. Andy, you said earlier it's March 25th, so it's, mm-hmm. you know, 30, 28 days away. Um, it's fascinating to me to see what Masai Ujiri and Bobby Webster are, are going to do here. You know, Lowry and Powell are unrestricted free agents at the end of the year. So are you going for it this year? If you are, you could see those guys potentially walk away in the offseason with nothing in return, similar to last year with Serge Ibaka and Mark Gasol. Um, I'll admit, at 2-8, and eight, I thought the Raptors were toast. Today, I think they're one player away from competing with any team in the East other than Brooklyn. Um, why, why couldn't Toronto beat a Milwaukee or a Philly again en route to an Eastern Conference Finals appearance like they did in 2019. I, I haven't seen anything in the past two weeks. In, in fact, I thought Milwaukee should should be embarrassed losing those two games on their home court. They they cannot get the Raptors 
off their back. And it's been, you know, it's three years now, four years. They can't, they just can't do anything with them. Okay. The mental clamps uh, on them, baby. Yeah. There, there's something in the heads of the bucks, you know, fear the deer. Uh, Milwaukee fears, <laughs> fears the dinosaur. No? Hiring for your small business. If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Um, it's time now for hashtag T-D-I-T-R-H. This date in Toronto Raptors history, I know I was there. Let's go back five years, February 26, 2016, a chilly Friday night at Air Canada Centre in Toronto with four seconds left in a tie game. Kyle Lowry drills the winning shot right in the mug of Kyrie Irving, giving Toronto a 99-97 win over the Cleveland Cavaliers. It gives Lowry a career-high 43 points to go along with nine assists and four steals. The sparkling performance of his career, in my estimation, at least in the regular season. The Raptors needed every single one of them as DeMar DeRozan struggled with only six points on one of 11 shooting. LeBron James drops 25 for the Cavs. Of course, this is the year the Cavs finish in first by one game over the Raptors, setting up the epic 2016 Eastern Conference Finals between one and two. The Cavs go on to win that series, um, but they don't win the championship yet. Uh, this has been this date in Toronto Raptors history. I know I was there. Check it out on Twitter at hashtag TDITRH. Jim Rats and Joints is sponsored by Henderson Brewery. The best beer is the beer you love. Okay, back to the Eastern Conference in 2021. And last year's East finalists, the Boston Celtics, are plummeting. They're 5-11 in their last 16 games. That's, that's a trend. That tells you who they are. They currently sit ninth in the East, and you look at the roster, there's not a lot of depth. Kemba Walker's not right and not playing. Gordon Hayward is long gone on a competitive Charlotte Hornets team. Shep, are the Celtics going to finish in the top eight this year? They might luck up with that playing spot you're talking about. But, no, I think where the Celtics are concerned, it's, it's, they're going to struggle, man. I think, you know, that this group here, when I look at them, it's young, young hunger equals blind loyalty. And, you know, these guys now are older. They're more mature. They come into their own. They're, they're, you know, stars now. And I don't think Brad Stevens can manage the characters. And then you add in you know, somebody like Tristan who has a big personality, right? If these guys aren't successful and you have a guy that's, sorry, if these guys aren't, aren't successful and now you have, you know, your players starting to contest your coach and, and, and so forth, it, it becomes conflicting. Now, when you even date back to in the bubble, bubble, there was, they had some problems in the locker room, right? And I think that's what you're seeing roll over now and, and it, coach, Really, I think they've grown out of his, you know, under his, under his, um, his coddling, and and they're just grown. Some moves have to be made. I, so, you know, piggybacking on what you said, here's here's a direct quote from Danny Ainge. He said, "Here's the biggest thing about Jalen and Jason. 
is that they've been shielded before because they they've had other really good players, veterans around them as they developed, and they went to three or four Eastern Conference Finals. Now it's on them. Now they're the stars. Now they got the big contracts, and they have the all-star nods. So the microscope's on them. So to me, he's not wrong. This statement to me is is essentially what the Celtics are. They're stars who haven't proved themselves. You know, they were the underclassmen. Now they're the seniors. And, and you know, as talented as they are, they, they don't have confidence in themselves. They, we've seen them fall time and again. And, in the playoffs, you know, they have a mental lock on themselves. And I think they lack, you know, the Jimmy Butler types, you know, they, they lack that presence in the locker room, you know, and I think honestly, I think what they really could use is a sports psychologist up there. I think they're just so locked into trying to win, trying to get past the hurdle, trying to advance in the playoffs that, that it's just weighing on them and they need something. They need some kind of release. And ultimately I hope this doesn't fall back on Brad Stevens because I think he's done an outstanding job there in Boston He's he's an MBA. He's a he's a high pedigree guy with you know championship caliber coach and um, you know they, he just has to get it right with the players and, and you mentioned the introduction of, of championship caliber guys like Tristan you know you know you hate to say guys like that may poison the well but they have ideas and how to get there to the championship and and if those ideas aren't in alignment with your head coach you're gonna have problems you know the locker room's gonna be fractured in some ways so do you um, what's that do you think do you think Brad can coach superstars. I think he can. I think I don't think he's a guy that's phased, but it, it's it's one of those things where are the players going to vibe with him? You know, I think Brad's very steady. I think you know he has a plan. He's not shaking. He's he's so well prepared that he doesn't have time to worry about little minuscule things or or, or you know competitions within the locker room. So I, I think that it's just all about you know day to day management with them and 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 like I said, bringing in somebody who can get their minds right I mean to me, you know Tristan Thompson w- was meant to be more of a, a role player right now I'm sure they'd much rather have Al Horford who they had a couple of years ago it, It's interesting to me because the celtics they're they're reminding me of the twenty nineteen Celtics who fell flat after being in the Eastern Conference Finals in twenty eighteen mm-hmm. uh, and losing in seven games to Cleveland. But I really think that their their plan was for Kemba Walker and Gordon Hayward to be a big part and not just give the keys to Tatum and Brown. And, you know, right now, I think Hayward left them in the lurch with, with the opting out and the big free agent contract. And He's having know, a potential all-star season himself right now. He's that's right. That's right. Yeah. Like, about how good he'd be on this. He'd be kind of that Jimmy Butler type on, on this. But though, I think he, I think his 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 tenure ran. It was up there in, in in Boston. I think after his injury, people expected so much of him to to earn his contract. Yeah. That I don't know if he could have performed the same way he did as a fresh start in, in Charlotte. I, I I don't know. I mean, you you would know better than me how, how much that actually impacts a guy. But I, I, I think Leward would be great on the Celtics this year. I also think he's he's he was obviously privy to something that we are and and that that environment he knew because are you're if you're thinking about the culture that he's coming from even in Butler at mm-hmm. Butler right and just having success there he's never been on starts to the teams but teams that have you know good chemistry good unity mm-hmm. and are successful by committee so I, mm-hmm. I think there was more there was more there with that concern as opposed to just you know the dollar and cents. I agree. I agree. But, you know, he's also only played for one coach pretty much his whole life. You know, he played for Brad Stevens in college and, you know, went right to the league and played for him there as well. So, you know, having some fresh scenery, you know, getting rid of that, you know, shaking off that uh, that injury rust, that 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 stagnancy of, of not reaching the playoffs. I think he's, he's just feeling like a brand new player right now.
just can't get away from that Butler team, AAR. I, it just comes around full circle every fucking time. Man. It's unreal. <laughs> everywhere, everywhere you go, we got we got Brad Stevens, Gordon Hayward, and Butler. Yeah, they yeah. won't leave us alone. Um, guys, there are some upstarts in the East. Um, I think that, uh, you know, the New York Knicks and the Chicago Bulls are, are interesting stories in the league this year. Congrats uh, to Zach Levine, by the way. No longer just an, a dunk champion, but an all-star. Andy, can one of these teams finish as high as maybe sixth place in a conference mm-hmm. that's so topsy-turvy this year? Yeah, for sure. I mean, look, I think the Knicks have done an outstanding job bringing in Tibbs. You know, they they they, they restructured the whole organization, bringing in Leon Rose. RJ's looking much improved from last year. He's looking strong, physical, like he knows his role. And then you have an all-star in Julius Randle. So I think that... You know, they have as good a shot as anybody, but, you know, it's just the fact that they haven't been there in so long. And, and you know, Billy Donovan's a guy who's been there with OKC. I believe that they just have a better chance with the way that Zach Levine's playing. He's averaging 29, 5 and 5. He's an all-star this year. I think they have a slew of veteran guys on their bench. You know, Daddy is young. Your Garrett Temples, guys who've been around the league, making that locker room gel. You know, Kobe White and Laurie Markinen are playing a lot better under his, under Billy Donovan. They're playing free. So I think that, in my opinion, they have the best atmosphere uh, in Chicago to to make that playoff spot. Young, fresh, and like a complete rebirth. I think more mm-hmm. than anything, when you have a young team like this and they start to win, start to see success, it mm-hmm. builds chemistry. Right? I'm sure mm-hmm. all these guys are having fun playing with each other because they've never they've never experienced this, right? Mm-hmm. So you know, as far as this year's goals, I think they're in the perfect position to make a push and actually make some noise in a playoff run, just because. You know they're having fun, and I think that's more more than anything. Like there's no pressure right now. It's similar to we just talk, we just spoke about Boston. When those mm-hmm. guys were young, they were having fun, you know, mm-hmm. and the pressure wasn't on them. Now when the pressure's on them, it's a different story. Mm-hmm. And not to mention, you know, the pressure of the New York fan base. You know that that honestly yeah. weighs on guys more than anything else. Is is the social media? You know, the, the attention that of of not getting to the playoffs back to back, the disappointing seasons. Everybody in New York. Is a, is a is a is an expert on basketball, so, so you have to get past that fundamental aspect. Question for you: yeah. When you were when you were with the Knicks, obviously you know that was that was something you battled as well. Just I can't say it. shit because I didn't play. <laughs> so, <laughs> but did you, you were on the grain, grain of salt right here. You lived it, but did you see that it it affected guys in the locker room? Could you tell that you know it, it had an impact? Oh, 100 percent. I mean, it's a media storm. It, 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 they they look for clickbait, you know, so the locker room is just on fire after the games. Win, lose or draw, they're looking for headlines. So, um, you know, people, people in New York, they have they have, you know, the journalists are, are, are bigger names than some of the players. So they need to feed that machine. And uh, it's tough. It's tough to get out of that, especially, you know, with the, the amount of people that that New York has in their fan base. You know, to see it on social media every night, you're scrolling, you're seeing comments, this and that, and that starts to wear on you over time. Um, undoubtedly, it's the mecca of basketball, but I think that, you know, they could use a, a mental break just from all the pressure and, and, you know, the Knicks being one of the biggest organizations in the world. But they've done the due diligence. I think it's not going to change unless unless uh, Dolan is out. I just don't think this is going to change. But Leon Rose is a great start. Thibodeau is a great start. And I think they're showing that right now. Yeah, they're shifting the culture. They're, they're, they're shifting. With, yeah. with Tibbs, I think you're going back to, you know, back the, the, the teams, the tough Nick teams, when you have your your yeah. Pat Ewings, your your Allen Houston's, your John yeah. Stuck, Freewell, Freewell, Oakley, like, LJ. Those days when 
when they're throwing guys on the floor, they're just getting tougher again, getting back to that toughness. And I think as much as, you know, New York is the mecca of basketball and they celebrate basketball, that team has always had a had that tough DNA. Right. Mm-hmm. And they kind of mm-hmm. went away from that pedigree for a, for a while and mm-hmm. it wasn't successful. And now it seems that, you know, they're coming back around to it. So it's good. It's good to see. But the players themselves, they feel like they need to take on that mentality. You know, they feel like they need to be what the Knicks are. And and the Knicks haven't been that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, they're, they're, they're steady trying to find an identity as well as please the general public. So it's a recipe for disaster at the end of the day. And I think mm-hmm. Tibbs is the perfect guy to be like, fuck all that noise. Here's what we're going to do, and here's how we're going to get it done. And they're showing that right now. I got uh, Frank Isola on line one for Andy. Frankie, Martin. that's right. Uh, you want to talk to him? Um, you know, Andy, I love that you brought up the coaches on those two teams, Thibodeau and Donovan. You know, when, when Popovich eventually, if he ever retires from basketball, those, those, those two guys are kind of the veteran coaches of the NBA now. You know, we're seeing the younger generation, Brad Stevens, Nick Nurse, Nate Bjorgren kind of take over as the, the young hotshot coaches, but Don, it feels like Donovan and Tibbs are, have been around as long as anybody other than, other than pop. Also interesting, you know, we, we had um, Chuck Swirsky, the radio voice of the bulls on the podcast a, a couple of months ago before the season started. And he was touting the bulls as a playoff team. I think we all thought he was a little loony on that, but they're, they're ahead of where he might've had them. So uh, kudos to the Bulls, kudos to the Knicks. It's really nice mm-hmm. to see those teams not languishing near the shout bottom. Out, shout out to our Canadian Mark Eversley. This is first year as GF right. Bulls. So. Hey, that's right. Good that's call. right. Yep. Yeah, great point. He has really done the job getting the Bulls back on their feet and quickly. Um, back n- now to the top of the standings. Uh, the Utah Jazz hammered a depleted Lakers team Wednesday night in Salt Lake City, 114-89. Markeith Morris of the Lakers promised after the game that it would be different in the playoffs. You assume that Anthony Davis will be back for L.A. by May 22nd. Even so, the Jazz just do not lose this year. They are 26-6. and They've lost only two games since January the 6th. That's almost two months. Um Shep, can the Jazz hang with the presumptive favorites in the West, the two L.A. teams, the Lakers and Clippers? And I'm talking in a playoff round, both teams at full strength. Clippers, for sure, probably. I'm not a Clippers believer, but I think going forward, you need to be able to beat these teams four times. And I don't know if the – I still feel like the Jazz are missing one piece to do that. I think they're a great regular season team right now. We're seeing 26-6, and right? Um but I also think the shortened offseason helped them because they didn't make many moves, right? And they were still playing well before that. They just rolled over exactly what they're doing, just built on the chemistry that they had, the momentum that they had. Uh, and I think that bitter taste of losing, being up on Denver and lose, end up losing the series is it, it fired them up. It fired them up. And again, they didn't make any any changes and just rolled right over. So I think that's what's you know, been benefiting them. I just don't believe that come playoff time, they're going to be able to beat the Lakers four games in a row. I, I really don't even think they'll be able to beat the Suns four games in a row. Not a big believer in uh, the Clippers, are you, Shep? I just think they're missing it. I like, I like star pieces. I like a little flash. Give they me got Kawhi Leonard. Well, okay. No, no, I'm talking about Utah Jazz. Oh, okay. I'm not, I'm not, a, I'm not a fan of them. Okay. In the playoffs. Well, okay, but it, it seemed like you said they could handle the Clippers. 
which surprised me a bit. If if any of the LA teams, if any, but uh, and we'll what, what do you think? Wait, how far? Is it, it, is this just a fun a fact for you boys. Fun fact: Jazz, the, the Jazz. There's only three teams in the NBA history: the San Antonio Spurs, the Los Angeles Lakers, and the Boston Celtics, who have a higher winning percentage than Utah Jazz in history. That's a pretty incredible stat. The Jazz may be lacking stars, but they don't. They certainly know how to win. So it's an interesting. It's an interesting take. You know, I don't think that they've had the star power necessarily to get there, but they do find their way there every year. Um, you know, they're playing at an elite level right now on both sides of the floor. They have the you know the defensive player of the year. They got you know sixth man of the year in Jordan Clarkson and a potential MVP in, in Donovan Mitchell. Um, it's interesting though because I, I saw on Bleacher Report that the NBA execs really don't believe that Jazz, Jazz has what it takes to win, and I think they're kind of colluding with Shep here in the fact that they they don't have that star power. They don't have that you know that that mm, to get them over the hit, the hill. So um, it's just going to come down to you know, how well these teams are playing their chemistry. And I think the Jazz had that in spades. I think that's what they're really relying on right now is, is the locker room and then how close they are. This is a team that's been together for some years now. You know, the addition of an experienced point guard. You know, I think they have what it takes. It's all going to come down to, you know, game to game. I really believe that. Injuries, uh, you know, COVID situations. I think that they have a good, as good a chance as anybody to win. Well, they, as we touched on earlier, they do play defense. So they play defense. That, yeah. that's, when they get to the playoffs, they already have to see that, that Brooklyn-Utah matchup. That's what we need. <laughs> I'm sure that's what that. the NBA wants. Um, yeah. what, what about the Suns? You met, somebody mentioned the Phoenix Suns. They've risen to fourth in the West, um, although they did lose at home Wednesday uh, to, uh, to who I now think will be the rookie of the year, LaMelo Ball and the, the Charlotte Hornets. Uh, guys, Andy, will the will the Suns, many of whom have never even played a postseason game, with the obvious exception of Chris Paul, will will they be able to? Will they even be able to get out of the first round? Even you know, potentially as a four seed, playing a a more experienced Portland team, for instance, mm-hmm. or a San Antonio team. No, I don't. I don't think so. I don't think they have. I don't think they have the depth. You know, I'm looking at their roster right now. Nobody really stands out to me that can come out in a playoff series and, and really make a meaningful impact outside of Devin Booker. Mm-hmm. I think that they're just they're they're holding on until they get to the playoffs. A lot of teams are doing that. You know, with with the with, with injuries uh, with COVID. So I think that they don't have what it takes to make a run deep. I think that they'll you know get to a playoff spot for sure, but they don't have a chance, in my opinion. I'm just glad they proved me right because the fact that we're having a conversation right now about can they get past the first round? I mean, when we started, when we started this, when the season was starting a couple of weeks ago, we were saying we were laughing at me, thinking that this is even a playoff team. So that's slow progress. I'm I'm okay with a slow progress. That's all that matters. But I, I think you know they're they'll they'll be a playoff team. I think they're going to make a fight in the playoffs. But just like Ar said, um, there are a couple pieces away in terms of depth. Um, and really, really being competitive. And I think they're, they're just, they've really, um, the addition of Crowder and and CP has injected a new life, um, a new confidence, especially into their young guys and just being able to mold them and direct them. But now, you know, once you accomplish that, there's going to be another level. And, and I think that's one more step to be taken. They, they remind me a little bit of the, Ra- the Toronto Raptors in 2014. Uh, Rudy Gay gets traded. DeMar DeRozan and Kyle Lowry take over. They're really good, competitive, but I don't think they were yet ready for prime time. And they lose that seven-game series uh, to the Nets. 
you know, I, I've been keeping an eye on DeRozan and the San Antonio Spurs lately. Uh, I'd love to see them get back into the playoffs. Uh, DeRozan did not play Wednesday night for personal reasons. Uh, and the Spurs got torched by Shea Gilgis Alexander, who went off for 42. Um, that That's not the point here. The Spurs are currently 16 and 12. They're sixth in the West. DeRozan got snubbed uh, for the All-Star game, despite ha- maybe having his best year. He, he leads the team with seven assists per game. Shep, has the, has the Spurs' first half of the season surprised you? Not, it, ha- it hasn't surprised me because I always trust in, in Coach Pop. Uh, he's, he's a mastermind. I think, you know, he always puts guys in a position to be, you know, to, to play to their strengths and just be successful. So I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm really not surprised, um, you know, just based on his history and the success that he's had. And I think, I, I don't think DeMar's a uh, snub from the all-star list, but I do think he's probably playing his best basketball, his best all-around basketball, because it's coming from a team, a team aspect. Um, yeah, I, I, I fully agree with Chef. You can never count the Spurs out with Pop. I think uh, he's done he's done an outstanding job. You know, given the given the uh, team that he has right now, uh, and he and he put together this second unit of Patty Mills, Rudy Gay, you know, Yakupertle. Devin Vassell and Juwante Murray, they're they're taking advantage of their opponents. They're outscoring their opponents by 52 points in 82 minutes, and they're limiting to them to 80 points per 100 possessions. So they're getting it done on both ends of the floor, um, and, and I think that you have to respect Pop's genius for trying to figure that out and doing some uh, doing his due diligence there. So I'm not surprised by where they're at. I think they, they have the ability to make a deep run, uh, but I don't think they have what it takes to get over the hump. Okay. That, that, I think that sums up the Spurs. I, I, I would agree. I think yeah. they're going to be mixed all year for the playoffs, maybe even yeah. land in one of those play-in positions. But, yeah, compared to the L.A. teams, Utah, you know, I'd, I'd still put Denver ahead of them, mm-hmm. probably maybe even Portland as well. Um, speaking of uh, the Spurs, speaking of Texas, positive thoughts to uh, to all the people in Texas, especially those who were – directly affected by the freak winter storm and the power failures last week. Uh, One team coming on in the state uh, is the Dallas Mavericks. Winners now of seven of their last nine and back to 500. More importantly for our purposes, ahem, Shep, Luka Doncic. Here we go. I like this All year. Back in the MVP race, he's averaging 29 Nine and nine. Ooh, no Porzingis hasn't played in two weeks. Uh, the Mavs have big games coming up in Philadelphia and Brooklyn. Care to comment? Yeah, they'll, they'll be in the play-in. Play-in? Play-in. <laughs> yeah, play-in? So they'll be, you're saying they'll be seven, eight, nine, or ten? They'll be eight, nine, or ten. Wow. Eight, nine, or ten. Okay, that's a good strong comment right there. What about guys? I mean, seriously, he, he's he is borderline averaging a triple double on a team that will probably be in the playoffs. And there's, you know, he doesn't have a lot around him. He's hitting game winning shots. He's doing it all. I think you know the same thoughts I shared before is that he right now is probably your most impactful player. If there was, an, if that was ever an award, like your most MIP. But until you're in, you know, the the top three, until your team's in the top three, I don't think you're in the conversation of the the MVP race. Um, you know, the stats 
stats count for for one thing, but that that win column is a big, mm. you know, it's weighted a little heavier when you're when you're looking at the MVP race. If you're looking at the history of, you know, the MVPs, their teams are have always been most most recent years have always been in top three. So it's gonna it's a far cry, but um, I definitely think he's the most impactful player on on any NBA team right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're sitting one spot outside the eight right now. They're 500. Luka's coming on strong. Um, you know, I, in my personal opinion, I think they need to get rid of Porzingis. I think he's just a liability at this point. You know, he's, he's, he's been on the bench more than he has been on the court. He's, he doesn't really show up in, in crunch time when you actually need him. And he doesn't play any defense at all. You know, putting him in the pick and roll, he's a huge liability. Um, but I think what you can recoup for him is is what they need to do. They need to bring some additional pieces, uh, some more active pieces, some more consistent pieces, and I think that's what's going to turn their season around. And, and you know, I like I like the idea of, of of pairing Porzingis up with Bradley Beal and and, and Russell Westbrook up in Washington. I, I like that dynamic, um, but I do right. think that they they'll, they'll need to move on from him in order to be successful. For the record, guys, the year Westbrook won the MVP. Averaging the triple-double in, in Oklahoma City, which was uh, 2016-17. The Thunder finished in sixth. So, you know, I, I, I don't know if, if, if Luka gets to triple-double averages. I don't know if you can dismiss him um, even, if, even if they finish, you know, in the lower, the lower half uh, of the West. Mm-hmm. Um, but, guys, let's do, let's do one more topic here if, uh, if producer Dan Wong will let us. Um, I, I just want to talk quickly about the Washington Wizards and, and Westbrook. Uh, they missed six games in January due to COVID protocol, but they recently reeled off five straight. Bradley Beal leads the league in scoring. Westbrook has been better. They're 11-18, and 18, but they're only two and a half games out of a play-in spot. If I'm a Boston or Chicago or Charlotte, that backcourt is not what I want to face in a winner go home scenario at the start of the playoffs, Andy, are the Wiz going to find their way to a play-in position or, or even a playoff spot still? I think so. I think so. Um, you know, uh, Scotty Brooks. I, I have full faith in Scotty Brooks. You know, I haven't haven't played for him before and understanding what kind of coach he is. And like you said, their 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 backcourt is just somebody you just don't want to meet in the playoffs. I think they have that that tenacity about them, uh, especially with with younger teams like New York and Charlotte. Like that, they'll they'll. I think when it comes push comes to shove, they can blow by those teams. And their last five, you know, they have an offensive rating of 113, which would be 10th for the full season, and a defensive rating of 106, which would be second for the full season. So they've really come on strong. I think Scotty's made some good adjustments. I think he realized, you know, he was on the hot seat as well. So you know, I'm hopeful that they turn it around. I think they they do have the talent and the capabilities to do that, and um, you know, they have the roster to to, to make a meaningful impact uh, in the playoffs. I think that's one of the teams that if you have this playing, mm-hmm. this playing series, you're yeah, yeah. world of that trouble. could be a dangerous playoff team. It could a be a dangerous team. playoff. Yep. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure if they're a big man. I can't remember what his injury was, um, but like even if a guy like that, I'm not sure how long he would be out. I think it was a knee injury. But even if you added a piece like that, once you have you know Westbrook, a guy like mm-hmm. Westbrook, you have you know. A, a, competitor of that nature you're never out of the equation so i, I think you know it, it could be a situation where you see these guys make a push um yeah they're disappointing me in a sense because i did have them as a playoff team 
uh, when we first did our rankings early on. So oh, I'd be interested to revisit that I'll list and see where we're at one, I'll, I'll take that one on the chin. As oh, much yeah. as I, <laughs> our, our producer, Dan Wong, has made sure to, to put those away for uh, posterity. <laughs> I'm, I'm humble enough, but if, hey, you want to play in, right? So if you want to <laughs> play in games, we may be, they still may be there. See, that's what's interesting about the playoffs is that you take a team like Washington with all this talent who may not make the playoffs, you know, in the regular season. And then, you know, it's it's, it's an interesting dynamic once it comes uh, to that playing. So the Wizards we're not looking happen. That's going to wrap up another episode of Gym Rats and Joints. Remember to rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Yelp, wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to our amazing producer, executive producer, Dan Wong. He's making things happen for us. Follow him on social at Dan Wong Says. Javon Shepard, the general manager of the Ottawa Blackjacks, and most recently part of the Raptors 905 TV broadcasts, is on Twitter and Instagram at Javon Shepard. Blackjacks assistant general manager Andy Routens is on Instagram at Andy Routens. My name is Dan Gladman, and you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at DG on the road. Jim Rats and Joints is on Instagram and Twitter at Jim Rats Podcast. Next week will be into March, and I can't help but feel like we'll be starting to talk about the madness. Stay safe, stay healthy, and stay inspired. Thanks for listening, everyone. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.